Hello everybody, welcome once again to Vineyard Community Church as we continue on in a series we're doing called Interacting Well. Interacting Well, we've been in this series quite some time. This is number nine in the series. Um, in this series what we're doing is we're talking about uh, um, from our last series in Developing Well, we talked about being salt and light as we ended up. We were talking about the Beatitudes and this idea of interacting well as being salt and light into the world around us. And we're using as the foundation for these verses the greatest commandment from Jesus, love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbors yourself. And we spent weeks digging into the foundation and loving God all, all in, heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then we spent a couple of weeks talking about um, loving our neighbors, ourselves, and how we define that. Uh, and, and then from that, we've been looking at now these interactions that Jesus has with people um, because he, he teaches us. He models for us what this loving our neighbor as ourselves looks like. And, and I said to you in the, in the command of Jesus, the, it's the command is to love your neighbor. The assumption is that you already love yourself. And even though we do that in varying degrees because of our brokenness and our mess, the reality is all of us want to be happy. Um, and that in and of itself isn't a bad thing that's hardwired into us, you know, before the fall. And it's a part of the creative stuff that, that there's a desire in us to be happy. And there's nothing wrong with that. Um, but what Jesus is saying is we're to have that same desire for the people around us, which is an overwhelming concept if you really take it in. Unless you've sort of figured out the first part of the command, which is love God all in. The heart, mind, soul, and strength. Because once you have that in, you realize that life is found in that process, and it's, it's never found outside of that. And, and that, that's the, the life that we're to um, desire that our neighbors would also come to find, uh, a life in Him. Uh, and so it begins to change our perspective and our perception on how life works and what's important. And, and it should also begin to change how we relate and interact with other people. And so um, we, we've looked at a couple of encounters about Jesus interacting with people. We're going to look at another one today. We, we talked a couple of weeks ago about Jesus interacting with Nicodemus in John 3, and then we jumped up to John 8, and we watched the interaction last week with the woman that was caught in adultery, and, and we looked at the difference between grace and legalism and light and darkness. Well, today we're going to continue on uh, looking at another interaction, and I wanted to talk to you today about the interaction that Jesus has with uh, the woman at the well. And so we'll be uh, looking into John 4 for a little while, a fascinating interaction that Jesus has. And, and hopefully, um, you know, what I've encouraged you to do is to think about these interactions, these encounters all week long, and really try and personalize them, apply them to your own life and how you do in, those, uh, in different situations that perhaps you can uh, learn from in the process. Before we hop into the message today, I've got a couple little things. I like to do something, you know, between the intro and the message. You know that now. So just a couple little things just to think about. Like this one. Um, why don't you ever see hippopotamus hiding in trees? Because they're really, really good at it. That's gold. Uh, all right. All right. They, they're really good at it. Excuse me. Okay. One more. Last one. What's the best part about living in Switzerland? I'm not really sure, but the flag is a big plus. I thought that one was going to get some action. That's funny. If you don't get that, go and Google Switzerland's flag. Okay. 
Scripture reading, fortunately, is here now. John chapter, 20, uh, John chapter 4, verse 23. This is out of the message paraphrase. But the time is coming, it has in fact come, when what you're called will not matter and where you go to worship will not matter. It's who you are and the way you live that count before God. Your worship must engage your spirit in the pursuit of truth. That's the kind of people the Father is out looking for. Those who are simply and honestly themselves before Him in their worship. And blessed be the word of the Lord. I want to dig into this interaction that Jesus has, um, where, those, uh, where those verses came from. Um, and it's, like I said, it's an interaction with a woman at the well. And uh, uh, she's a Samaritan woman. And so there's a lot of layers to what's taking place and what's going on in this story. Remember, as we do, Jesus is our model for life and ministry. He is humanity as God intended it to be. And so we're we're looking to see how he loved people and how he served people and the things, you know, we're trying to see what he was thinking about and how he saw situations and, and we're, we're trying to implement those into our own lives as we uh, interact in the world around, with, around us, trying to be salt and light. So, um, the woman at the well, um, she was a Samaritan um, and, and Samaritans um, were a group of people that had been outcast by the established religious community um, and she was also an outcast in her own community. And we know that by the fact that she came to the water by herself um, to, to draw water. Uh, and, and drawing water at that time culturally would have been a significant social act. The women would have gone together, not only for the social time, but for the safety of it all to be together. And, uh, and yet what we have in this uh, situation is there's a woman all by herself there drawing water at the well. So she doesn't fit into her own community. That's, that's one layer. Uh, of this story. Um, um, she doesn't fit into the, um, th they'd been outcasts. The Samaritans were kind of a mix um, of, of the Jews and the Assyrians. And so the, the established religious community, the Jewish people had said, we don't, we don't want you around. And uh, in fact, they, they disliked them greatly. That's not really a significant word to tell you about how the established religious community, the Jewish people really felt about the Samaritans. They had nothing to do with them, wanted nothing to do with them. And, uh, and yet Jesus has this encounter with this woman, and it's very fascinating in the process. So let's, let's dig in and see what happens. And the first point in your notes is that we need to be willing to serve. We need to be willing to serve. Uh, in, in this, our desire to interact well, um, being a servant is a big part of the process. And Jesus demonstrates and models servanthood for us all the time. John 4, verses 4 through 6. Now he had to go through Samaria, that's Jesus. So he came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about the sixth hour. And verse 4 is very interesting in this story, um, because it said that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Now, the, the Jewish people had such a dislike for the Samaritans that they would avoid Samaria at all costs. They would go around it, even though it added considerable time to their journey they never went through it. They went around it. They wouldn't go through it. They just wouldn't be something they would do. Immediately, they would go around it. So they didn't have these interactions. Um, but not Jesus. Jesus went right through it. And, and uh, I, I believe he went right through it because um, he was missional. He had a mission, and he, he knew that this encounter would take place as he went. And so off he went to meet this woman, outcast by everyone else, but, but uh, 
Jesus certainly cared about her, and he goes to uh, this, this, uh, you know, this meeting there as he travels through um, Samaria. Remember, his, his mission is to seek those who are lost, Luke 19.10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save what was lost. So we need to remember, that's at the heart of everything that Jesus does. It's, it's why he came. Here's an opportunity to reach out to um, someone, and he takes full advantage of it. And, and, and Jesus came to save people, just like this woman at the well. And so uh, he was ready and willing to go and do as, the, you know, as he knew he should do, and uh, we need to be ready to go and do as the Lord would lead us in the process. And so there needs to be a willingness to, um, to go and an openness to the Lord to, to look for what he's doing um, on, on our day-to-day lives. Now, point two in your notes, and we touched on this last week. I want to talk about it some more, the light of grace. The light of grace. I, I contrasted this last week against the darkness of legalism. And, and we looked um, in the story of, in John 8 with the woman caught in adultery about how the Pharisees um, were so judgmental and that they were selective in the things that they were going to follow. And we saw the whole encounter. And Jesus comes in with a whole different picture of, of life. And, and he says, you know, if you walk in me, you're going to walk in the light of the world. He brings grace into the situation. And... and uh, this grace of God is, a, is an amazing display of his love. The story goes on in John 4, verses 7 through 10. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, You are a Jew and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Now, this encounter, it's so neat the way John includes it right here. Um, in John 3, um, which we talked about two weeks ago, Jesus encountered Nicodemus. Remember I told you about Nicodemus, that he was a, he was a strong Jewish leader, political leader, um, uh, um, uh, you know, one who lived by the law, a person of high morals, um, and... and uh, in this very next encounter, we have someone who's like the anti-Nicodemus, um, if you would. It's just such a, it's like as far away on the spectrum almost as you could get. Um, she, she's, a, she's a woman, obviously that's a big deal, and, and generally um, men wouldn't have talked to, to women in, like Jesus was at this process, in, in that sort of encounter. Um, she's a Samaritan, I've already told you that the Jewish people didn't like them, so that would have been another barrier to um, this relationship. We're going to find out a little more about this woman, knowing that she's there by herself is a clue um, to the life that she's sort of living. Um, far different than, you know, the, the standards that Nicodemus would have tried to keep for himself. Um, and, and yet, here's Jesus encountering her. And what we're going to see is that Jesus extends to her the very same life and hope that he extended to Nicodemus. He's just going to do it in a different way, because it needs to come from a different perspective. So Jesus says, listen, if you only knew the gift of God, living water, eternal life, grace, and that all you needed to do was ask that he would give it. And, and so what he's telling her is, just like he did with Nicodemus, that, that God's dealing with humanity is on the basis of grace. Our relationship with God isn't based on what we do, but on what God is willing to do for us. And so here's Jesus, fully God, fully man. He knows all about this woman. He knows about her life. He knows about her sin, just like he does with all of us. And he says to her, listen, all you need to do is ask, and I will give you life. 
That's, that's an amazing picture of love and grace. That's the, the light of grace of God. When, when, and when we're people that are filled with grace as well, um, we'll, we'll be able to love the way that he loves. We, if we're walking in that light of grace, we're going to be able to move away from the tendency that we all have to sort of gravitate towards the darkness of legalism. Um, and, and we'll be able to walk in this light of grace as well. In order to do that, third thing, we, we have to start putting away the labels that we sometimes hang on people. And, and the light of grace that we just talked about is, is evidenced again in Jesus' amazing ability, and you, you're going to know this when I say it, to see the beauty of people's potential. I keep bringing that up because I, I just know that that needs to impact you. We talk about that here a lot, but when you're in, interacting with someone, you always want to be asking God to help you see the beauty of their potential. Beyond what you might see on the surface, beyond the way that they're relating to you at that moment, but, but with the full understanding that God always has seen in us the beauty of our potential and has operated in that, we need to begin to ask God to help us see people in that way as well. And not treat them according to the labels that we have a tendency to put on them. The labels that society puts on them and, and oftentimes the labels that the religious community puts on them, with, which can often be far worse. John 4, 16 through 19. Jesus says to her, go call your husband and come back. I have no husband, she replied. And Jesus said to her, you're right when you say you have no husband. The fact is you've had five husbands and the man you have now is not your husband. What you have just said is quite true. Sir, the woman said, I can see that you are a prophet. I always think that's kind of a funny transition into the story. Um, Jesus, you know, he's been very loving in it, but he just sort of told her about her life. And I'm sure she's expecting to, um, at that point, encounter the same sort of uh, trauma and mess that she encounters from her own uh, culture, which is why she's out there drawing water by herself. Her life is, is far from perfect. Um, anybody else here have a life that's far from perfect? I do. So there's a lot of labels that, that Jesus could have hung on her or that society had already hung on her because of um, the brokenness of her life. There's a whole bunch of them. But Jesus doesn't label her. He, you know, it's not like he's soft-soaping what's going on. Um, uh, and he understands the kind of life that she's living, but he still offers her the hope of life. Um, just as he did with Nicodemus, just as he did with the woman caught in adultery that we looked at last week, he extends to her the hope of life. Right there on the spot. Not, you know, well, if you change this or you change that or you fix this or if you weren't doing that or anything else, but, but you know, there's life. There's hope for you. And, and you know, I keep saying, we, we want to invite people into this journey. Let's invite them into the journey with Jesus and let Jesus and, and you know, just continue to move in them and the Spirit of God start to work in them so that they can make the changes that God wants to see uh, done in them and, and not... Um, sort of our own sort of tendency um, to judge people based on stereotypes, on customs, uh, prejudices. I love this. That, uh, it, the reason I keep bringing up these encounters these, is that isn't it neat to watch how Jesus treats people as individuals? Each one of these things we've looked at has been different. The, the people are different. The, the situation's different. And Jesus treats them um, differently, but right at a spot where he needs to 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 sort of invite them into the journey and to give them hope. Um, that's, that's, we've seen it with someone that was uh, deeply religious but missing it. 
um, the, someone caught in, a, in a, you know, caught in the act of violating what was right and extended it to her. And now this person whose life is kind of way off track and, and ostracized by everybody else and sort of missing the whole process. Um, but, but Jesus, you know, he looks at the beauty of their potential. He loves them. He accepts them. And he has tremendous compassion for them. And, and I just think that's such a vital thing, the compassion that's demonstrated by Jesus. And, and, you know, I always get back to this point. Isn't everyone someone that's worth introducing to Jesus? Isn't everyone someone that's worth inviting into this journey? I think so. And so I, I think we need to be able to see them um, with the heart and with the eyes of Jesus and, and have that compassion. Um, see them like Jesus did. Don't label them, you know, good or bad, whatever. But realize that the main issue, and this is what Jesus demonstrates so well, fourth point, is always getting to the heart of the matter. Getting to the heart of the matter. And in order to do that, we, we have to think like he thought. John 4, 23 and 24. He says this, Yet a time is coming, and has now come, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For they are the kind of worshipers the Father seeks. God is spirit, and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. If you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about the encounter Jesus had with Nicodemus. And, and um, in that encounter, Jesus stressed the idea that, that um, all of us have, have a, a, an issue in our lives when it comes to our relationship with God. None of us has walked this thing out the way we needed to. Uh, and, and, you know, Nicodemus, who, who um, uh, sort of took pride in his keeping of the law... Um, because of that, he didn't recognize his need for grace. And, and Jesus had to demonstrate it to him and show him why he needed the grace of God, that all of his hard work and, and all the things that he was trying to do in his own strength weren't going to be enough. The woman at the well, however, um, is, is extremely aware of her sin uh, in her life. She knows. I mean, he calls her on it. She knows it. She knows be, the way people treat her. She gets that her life isn't you know, what it should be. Um, but, but see, Jesus doesn't condemn her talks to her about worshipers. I think it's fascinating. He starts talking to her about worship. You think of all the subjects that he might have brought up. Um, uh, he starts talking about worshipers. And, and, and so, you know, the, the reason he did that is Nicodemus needed to see himself as a sinner in order to understand grace. This woman who knew she was a sinner, she needed to see herself as a person of worth and value. And God was inviting her onto the journey. Jesus was saying, come, you, you, Jesus, what, you know, we want people just like you. And, and it's not about your mess. It's about your heart for God. You have worth. You have value. And, and so it was such an important thing to demonstrate to this woman um, who, had, who had, uh, was in this paddle, pattern of life um, because of her brokenness and her, and, and her mess that she was, you know, it was just perpetuating in her life. Um, she, she didn't realize her value. She didn't realize her worth, and so Jesus was helping her to realize it. Uh, and that's a significant thing. The result of that, and that's point five, the result of loving well, the way that Jesus does. John four twenty five and 26. The woman said, I know that Messiah called Christ is coming, and when he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus declared, I who speak to you am he. Do you, you know how amazing it is that Jesus said that? Do you know what? He, wouldn't, he wasn't telling anybody that. Do you know that? He would skirt the question, ignore it, go read about it. He, it's, a, it's an extremely important piece of information. And, and to demonstrate her, to her how valuable he is, she is to God, 
he clues her in on the whole deal. If you keep, he keeps telling everybody else, don't say anything, don't mention it, don't bring it up. He makes the disciples figure it out as God brings it to them. You know, Peter gets it by revelation. You know, who do you say that I am? And they kind of hunt around and, and then they get it. Guess what he says to this woman that he meets at the well uh, from Samaria, an outcast. Um, five husbands, not husbands, not even now. Mess, 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 brokenness. Oh, by the way, that's me. I'm the Messiah. Huge deal that just happens there. He doesn't do that. Clues her in. Look what goes on. John 48, uh, 28 through 30. Then leaving her water jar, the woman went back to the town and said to the people, come see a man who told me everything I ever did. That's great. Could this be the Christ? And they came out of the town and made their way toward him. See, what happens is with, with this whole process is the woman gets it, she gets it, and she leaves her water jar behind because the living water she just received in Christ was better than the water in her jar. And she heads to town, and, and fascinatingly, this outcast, this woman who had been ostracized by her community, be, becomes, in that moment, a very um, uh, powerful evangelist for uh, the Lord. She's very effective. And, and, and she actually sparks a revival. Um, in, in Samaria, people come out and, and also come and they want to know about Jesus and they come out to meet him. And see, that's what happens. Um, the light of grace says to each one of us, no matter where you are on, on the good and bad scale or what you think it looks like or whatever else that's going on, you count. You matter to God. And that, that he knows you as, he are, as you are and yet he still cares about you and loves you and values you to the point where he sent his son in this whole process, that we might have eternal life, become his children, and become true worshipers. This is at the heart of this encounter. And so I, I would just encourage you again, take some time this week and read through that and think about it. And think about some of those amazing things that took place. Jesus loves this woman. Um, he, he lets her know about her value and her worth because he, he sees that in people. He, 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 um, he, he has to come at her in a different way than he did with Nicodemus and even a different way than, a, than a woman, the woman caught in adultery, but he's still bringing them to that same point which says, look, I want you to come on this journey because that's where you're going to find life. And he makes a, a way for her to come and experience it. And, and that's what we need to be doing, to, to interact well, to, to be salt and light like he was. We need to look for those opportunities and ways to speak into people, to invite them onto the journey, to experience the light of grace that they might come and find life. And then that the Spirit of God can work in, in each one of us the changes that need to be wrought in us. Um, and, and that's what the heart of this encounter is all about. So take some time. Think about it this week and, and uh, that God invites you in and wants you to be a worshiper. No matter what, what's going on, just worship with your heart in the Lord. And that's enough for this week. Um, if you're watching on video or television, thank you so much. We appreciate you doing that. We know how valuable your time is. So thank you for um, spending this time with us. Um, if you're ever around, come and uh, visit. We'd love to have you here and uh, come and check us out. If you need prayer, you can go to the website, uh, keysvineyard.com, and there's a prayer page, or you can call us, and we'd be happy to pray for you. But thanks for spending time with us today.